Right, hello and welcome back to the Burst Bot Scottish Football Podcast. I am Hamish. Hello, Callum. Hello, Hamish. Good to speak to you again. Been a couple of weeks. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm all right. Been a bit, a bit of a, a mixed bag of a weekend, I must admit, but happy to be to be back to discuss it all. And we've got Lewis Burrow back to discuss it all. Lewis, what have you been up to in the last seven or eight months since we, we last set our eyes on you? How you doing, my man? No, no much, no much. Sitting in the house just like the rest of the country. Mike Callum, no best of weekend there. Had uh, just about allowed myself to get faith back in Motherwell, but nah. <laughs> Indeed, days. right. We're gonna we're gonna touch on all of that, obviously. Um, worth pointing out that this is now not just in podcast form, but we are now on YouTube, back on YouTube, posting the video of all these um, various shows that we record. So um, if you are a, a fan of the podcast and you are listening to the podcast and you'd like to see three handsome fellas chat about Scottish football, then why not head over to the YouTube? Just search for Burst and Bot Scottish Football Podcast and you will see all the episodes that are uploaded in full. So you can... As opposed to maybe being out and listening to the show, you can actually make a bit of an evening of it. You can sit, pour yourself a wee, uh, a beer or a spirit, and you can sit and watch three attractive young men. I really need to stop emphasising that point because <laughs> questions will be asked. But three guys chatting about Scottish football. So that's the service announcement over with. We've got a wee bit of kind of breaking news, guys. About 20 minutes ago, uh, St Mirren have confirmed that manager Jim Goodwin and assistant manager Lee Sharp, not that Lee Sharp, but... That did cause a bit of excitement prior to recording. Uh, anyway, those two have signed new three-year contracts with the clubs, taking them through to the end of the 2023-2024 season. So good news that from a St Mirren point of view, Lewis, and I don't think you can really argue with it because they've had a pretty good season under Jim Goodwin. I, I certainly have. Um, I like Jim Goodwin as a manager since he's come through at Alwa. He's been... He's been really good. He's definitely one of the up-and-coming managers in the Scottish and the British game, to be honest. And I, I think it's a good bit of business for St Mirren tying him down to that contract too because we're, you know, we're getting to that time of year. You know, somebody could have made a wee move for him for League One or something in England, that type of thing. So, ah, it's good business for him tying him down. And the summer there, the signings were good. You know, the likes of Marcus Fraser, Richard Tate. It's a lot of solid guys that knew the league. I think St Mirren maybe needed that over the last few years when they've been through sort of one care and then all that. They did a few, a lot of players in and out guys that were maybe coming up for England over for Ireland um, were a wee bit untested and stuff so I think they maybe needed um, just to solidify a wee bit they've got good players in that know the league they know they know what they're doing they know their way about and that's exactly what they've got they're a really streetwise team and they're up fighting for that top six and I think if you'd offer that to any St Mirren fan at the start of the season they'd have been buzzing with that Seventh at the moment they've got a couple of games in hand and Dundee United who are ahead of them Right, we fast forward 5, 10, 15 years and we look at the careers of Jim Goodwin and Jack Ross, two guys who started off at Alloa, went to St Mirren and then obviously in Jack Ross's case went on to, to other clubs. Who, Fisher, is having the better managerial career <coughs> and how high have they gone? Oh, that's a big question. Isn't it? I was actually just thinking, obviously, I think we'll probably touch on it, but with the Aberdeen situation, um, Jim Goodwin could possibly see that as a as a kind of step up in the summer if if they were to go a different direction from Derek McInnes with the job he's he's done there. I think at the moment, obviously Jim Goodwin's one of the kind of you know I don't know, I suppose flavour of the month if you want to you want to talk about it in the league along with probably David Martindale in terms of the job that he's doing uh, and maybe Jack Ross even though Hibs are, are have kind of been on a decent run of form lately maybe not so much. Um, 
at the moment though, I've still got to say I still think Jack Ross because I think after Hibs, I think he, I think he is doing a good job at Hibs. Uh, I think he's kind of solidified them in my opinion this season as the third best team in the league. So I think I still think Jack Ross at this point in time. But I, again, I don't uh, I don't want to take anything away from Jim Goodwin because I think he's got a really bright future as well. And as I say, it wouldn't surprise me if um, if a certain Mister McInnes was to depart with Audrey in the summer that, that Goodwin was heavily linked for going there. I kind of feel like Jack Ross maybe has a higher ceiling, but mm-hmm. is he maybe on the way down now after failing at Sunderland? And as much as we want to talk up the Scottish game, I may get completely lambasted for this, but Hibbs is a step down from Sunderland, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I, isn't I, it? I'd say it probably is. I, in terms of like, his wage packet and all that, it definitely will be as well. But I don't know, you just get the impression with Jack Ross, he's such a you know, politician type manager, isn't he? Like, <laughs> clubs will look at like, that kind of smooth talking kind of way. Fancies he's selling a bit of a Brendan Rodgers as well, clearly the way he dresses and that. Uh, he, I don't know, you, you get the impression English football's not seen the last of him. He does, what would be? The wee quarter zips and the wee padded jackets with the sleeves and that. Aye. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he, he had he had uh, training at, at Celtic under Brendan Rodgers. I think mm-hmm. or, or he certainly went and, and got involved there. So there may be mm-hmm. something to that. You have to take into account as well that Sunderland have been a bit of a disaster of a club. Obviously, well documented in the the two seasons on Quite Netflix. But yeah. yeah, so. Um, that probably works in his favour as well. The fact that he can point to that and say that it was a bit of a shambles, and obviously if he if he does if he continues to do well with Hibs, and I think there's every chance he might get but get a, a chance back in England um, or potentially at your club, Hamish. Who knows? So your official prediction is that when all is said and done uh, in the world, that Jack <laughs> Ross will have had a a better career than uh, than Jim Goodwin. I'll put my neck on the line and say yes, but I do genuinely do rate Jim Goodwin. And he seems like a nice guy as well, to be fair. Jim Goodwin. Without going all ITK in that, he he genuinely is one of the nicest guys. I'll I'll tell you a quick story. It's not a particularly funny story or anything, but there was a game a few years ago, Air Alloa. I think Air won 4 or 5 0 against Alloa. It was a midweek game. Um, The daft press at at Air uh, went and did his post match interview while I was still doing some work for a radio station. And he was good enough, Jim Goodwin, to to redo his full interview just for me. Um, Ian McCall, let's just say, didn't uh, (laughs) afford me the same courtesy. And that was after Air had won that game. I think it was four or even five nil. And um, he was a class act. Uh, I really, really like him. But he's weird because he was such a horrible player as well. Like he's, he's one of those guys that you would not think he'd be a nice guy. Have we got any more candidates for people who were absolute bastards on the pitch but are actually quite nice? I'm trying to think. I think that's quite a lot of that work because, I mean, guys that are like that on the pitch, it's generally, they can still be good in that, they can still affect the team, but it's generally because they're kind of limited a wee bit. And maybe because they're a bit more limited, they've, they've got to see the tactical side of the game more and they're all about kind of making themselves better and progressing and that sort of stuff. So I think these guys are quite often like, more adept at becoming managers like because they're, they're a bit more in tune with the tactical side of the game I think anyway might be a shite but. got a mm. cracker and he played for your club as well as mine striker me horrible player lovely off the pitch one coil no I thought he didn't play himself did he uh, Bobby Coyne Scott McDonald Scott McDonald that the one lovely lovely guy but uh, um, but absolutely 
a horrible, horrible player. Fish, have you got any from, from maybe the Rangers side? or? Uh, I suppose the, the kind of reputation that Kevin Thompson had at Rangers was that obviously kind of the, the thing you see before old firm games and that, you always see the clip of him smashing into Robbie Keane twice in that game at Ibrooks. But having met him at another podcast's live show, um, he was very pleasant and very nice. And actually, he's been the co-commentator in RTV um, for, I think, pretty much every game this season. Um, and he's don't get me wrong, he's not got the most exciting voice, but he does explain things very, very well um, because he's now obviously a coach from that perspective. So that was kind of the first one that sprung. Well, actually, the first name when you said that that sprung to my mind was Ian Black, but by all accounts, he's just as much a dick off the park as he is on the part so um, yeah I'll go with Kevin Thompson on that one I think he like yeah, the goal he wasn't necessarily a hot shoot of the call he wasn't necessarily a horrible player but he was a hard player mm. and then he's he, I mean he's a cracking guy he can get interviewed and that and uh, inversely are there any I don't, I, can you be a nice person on the pitch and then a complete <laughs> wanker off it is that is that a thing um, why don't we just go for wankers off the park wankers off the park well, I mean, we could be here all dead. I suppose it depends on your persuasion, doesn't it? As well. Right. Then we could get ourselves into trouble and get kicked off Zencaster forever. Right, okay. <laughs> in that case, we'll move on. But but good news for, for St Mirren there. And, and time will tell where, where Jim Goodwin ends up, whether his long-term view is to manage in Scotland or whether he wants to, to go south of the border. Time will tell. Uh, right, we had an interesting question that came in from uh, Dylan McDonald. Dylan McDonald of the Talking Boz Lower League podcast, which, uh, as I've said numerous times in this show before, is uh, your best podcast with regards to Scottish Lower League football. Dylan got in touch with us and asked, um, are any players playing abroad that you would potentially pick for the Scotland squad in the summer? Ryan Gold might be the obvious shout, but Henderson, Liam Henderson and David Bates playing well. Uh, too late for a call-up for, for Stephen Colker. So we're kind of struggling for some names initially, guys, and then we threw it open to the Burst Ball group chat. And uh, we've had quite a few. In fact, Casey's just sent in a big list of... right. Jay Hallsgrove, I think it's Jordan Hallsgrove from a football manager mm. playing. He's at Celta Vigo. You've got Jack Harper, who's with Villarreal, second team. In Italy, you've got Aaron Hickey, Liam Henderson, and Harvey St. Clair. Yeah. Harvey St. Clair? Yeah. yeah. France, you've got T. Garnier from France. <laughs> um, Scottish. Netherlands, Louis Fiorini. Uh, Frank Ross. Yeah. S. Calderwood. Um, is that Maybe Jimmy? Some some of these sound like uh, pro Evo regens. <gasps> and then the C. Summers. Who I th- is that? Kieran Summers, who was at Stenhouse Muir in, in Queens Park and the like. Um, none of them are getting near the Scotland team. But if we if we can go to to more familiar names, the ones we had chucked out. I mean, the obvious one for me was was Ryan Gold. Mm. I think he's been one of the best players in in Portugal this season. I don't pretend to be an expert in the Portuguese league, but I think he's had um three or four man of the match awards, which is I think as much as, as anyone else. And I know Braga were linked with him last month and they're chasing the title in Portugal. Um he's out of contract at the end of the season. He's currently playing for Firenze. Uh so he could be an outside shout, but he's probably trying to get into the hardest part of the team, isn't he? Um a part of the team that's so strong. Lewis, have you got any other names that, that you think could force their way in? No, not not what do you mean like foreign players? Well, players they, they are Scottish. Yeah. Aye, but players that are playing abroad. 
No, I don't know any other players that play abroad, mate. That, that list has exhausted me. But uh, I, well, I suppose you get like Johnny Russell and stuff plays over in America. And I know that he, you've heard like Alex McLeish always used to speak about how he would look walk over what calls to come and play for Scotland, especially in like friendlies and that, despite the fact he's got an absolutely gargantuan journey back to play for us. So I, if he likes him, he'll be in and about contention for places, you think, as well, with Kansas City, I think. Uh, Gold, as you say, very, very hard position of the pitch, same as Russell, actually, hard position of the pitch to try and to try and get in at, but I, you'd imagine he'll be in the shout, aye. Jack Hendry, for me, could be a shout. Aye. He's having quite a good time of it with Oostend in, in Belgium. Whether he's good enough to, to play for Scotland, he's obviously had caps in the past, but unlike Gold, he'd be coming into a part of the team where we're not really strong. I mean, Declan, I was about to call Declan Gallagher, Dermot Gallagher there, but <laughs> Declan Gallagher um, is you know, a guy who's played some games recently, but I'm yet to be, as good as he's been, and I can see Lewis already giving me daggers, I'm yet to be totally convinced that Declan Gallagher can play a major championship as Scotland's main centre-back. Well, he's, he's not been great for us since the since they went and qualified breaking back. He's really not been in good form. He's out at the moment with a, a muscle injury, but Obviously, there's a lot of speculation surrounding his future on that as well, and Celtic are linked to him and stuff, so he's not necessarily getting an easy time out of the fans as well. But no, nah, I wouldn't say he'd been in great form for us, especially in the latter months of Robinson's reign there. Alexander, as a unit, had maybe made us a wee bit better. He fitted into that, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't think we can go as a nation into the Euros. I think he'll win the squad, definitely. I mean, he's been a key part of the campaign, but I don't think we can realistically go into the Euros like, Absolutely pinning our hopes in Declan Gallagher being our main centre back, like no chance. I think people like Jack Hendry, especially having gone abroad into a really strong league, done and done well against all the odds. He's got a point to prove as well, which is always important for a player. And I, I think you've got to have others in the conversation too. Same with right back. Any names, Fisher? Well, I was always a big, uh, a big fan of David Bates when he was at Rangers. Um, to the point where I think I had several heated discussions with uh, a few people uh, on nights out. Bizarrely enough, uh, over David Bates being good enough to play for Rangers and for Scotland, I suppose uh, centre half maybe one of the, the areas where we're not as strong. Um, certainly, you would you would think that maybe. Aaron Hickey would have a chance of just making the squad, but he's never going to play. I probably agree with you, Hamish. I think Gold's maybe the best shout out of all those names. I mean, I think from from one thing that we've seen from Steve Clark's squads is that there's a core group there that are going to be there unless there's obviously um, a significant injury crisis. So it is going to be very hard for these players to break their way in. but yeah, I think Ryan Gold, as you say, is probably the best option there. That's the only one I can maybe see coming in. Um, but not too not too hopeful for the rest of them, to be honest. How are we feeling about the whole Euro situation then? Because from all the euphoria and the song that I've now forgotten what it's called, someone... Yeah, I can boogie. Right, I can boogie. How can yeah. I forget that? But, but that's <laughs> the point I'm making. Th- things have gone... Very quiet, and I know that's because there's been no international fixtures for months, and I know that the next one isn't until, I think, next month, but have we thought much about the Euros, Fisher? Um, not particularly. I mean, obviously with my own kind of club situation, if you like, it's been very much focused on looking forward to hopefully winning the league, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, there's been all the talk as well that it might be getting moved to, to one particular country or, or what's got it might not even happen. I think, particularly with, with circumstances are at the moment, it's difficult to get excited about 
sounds really depressing, but anything until it actually happens kind of thing. So, But I'm sure once the domestic season gets out of the way and, and if the Euros hopefully do go ahead, that, that excitement and anticipation will start to build up again. I mean, you know, I suppose we'll all know for ourselves, like as soon as we beat Serbia, I mean, the amount of people that had booked to go to London, it's almost as if everybody you knew had tried to get a hotel or had, had texts saying they're going down. So... I'm sure when the end of the season comes and hopefully with that as we move into the summer months of lifting of some restrictions people will start to get excited again. I hope so anyway because it feels like it's been I know it's it'll be three years since the World Cup but it, it feels so long since we've had like a major like just a major tournament to watch let alone obviously having Scotland done one. Yeah. Right. I'm surprised you even showed your face face Fisher because your your team have uh, sadly shamed the nation. <laughs> Sadly, shame the nation. Rangers have launched an internal investigation after police broke up a party in Glasgow in the early hours of Sunday morning. Uh, Rangers, I think, put out a really short statement saying Rangers are aware of an alleged incident which is subject to an internal investigation. We will make no further comment. Uh, Police Scotland say they received a report of a gathering at a property in Hayburn Lane in Glasgow around 1.10am on Sunday morning. Officers attended and those in attendance left. Ten people were issued with fixed penalty notices for breaching coronavirus regulations. What has the um, the reaction been on Rangers news to, to this? Uh, well, I think as you can imagine, the kind of, because there was kind of rumours yesterday morning if something had happened. Um, and there wasn't anything concrete that kind of came out and then it breaks last night and I think a lot of people are just obviously really disappointed. I mean, four games away from winning the league, hopefully. Yeah, I keep adding that caveat in there. Um, and these players have decided to pretty much, I mean, they just jeopardise the fact that they'll be involved, first of all, but then potentially, you know, they kind of, I don't think there'll be any gloss taken off Rangers winning the title, but it's just like, it's, it's just bad PR that the club doesn't really need at the moment. It's been a tough week for Scottish football clubs in general, um, as we all know, and, and some of the stuff that came out last week. So for that to happen, I mean, I mentioned at the start of the show, I had a bit of an up and down weekend. Like it started well with Rangers winning, and then I know it's a taboo subject on here, but Scotland didn't win at the rugby, and then finally getting over that, and then this breaks last night, and you're just like, I mean, I don't want to say thankfully, but the players involved, or the alleged players involved, appear to be kind of fringe and youth players which I suppose is is a positive, if you want to put it like that, but just disappointing, particularly as well. We've seen what happened with Jordan Jones and, and George Edmondson. I mean, they get heavily, they get suspended for seven games. They were fined and they were out the door in January, albeit on loan, and they, they did appear on the bench, I think, once or twice before they left. But, I mean, you, you would have to imagine, I mean, you kind of get a bigger example of what's going to happen to you. Um than, than that so yeah just disappointing and obviously don't want to go into the kind of alleged names involved but a couple there I think within the Rangers support that there was a lot of high hopes for and a lot of excitement about particularly if we were to wrap the title up in the next couple of weeks that they might get more game time um, as we maybe shift the focus towards hopefully if we're still in Europe at that point so yeah just disappointing I mean I know <laughs> as you can imagine there's a lot of folk going straight to I uh, just sack them get them out the door that's completely unrealistic unf- well not unfortunately but it's a completely unrealistic thing for any kind of employer to do so just need to see what comes of it it's just it's frustrating um, that obviously it's, it's my club at this point but just that 
again, we're talking about football and, and the breaches and just the negative press that obviously comes with that. Yeah, I want to trade quite carefully with the next little bit because I don't want to lose any more fans of the podcast. <laughs> but has the, the Scottish First Minister had anything to, to say about this latest breach? Has anyone seen any comments or has she been kind of quiet uh, on the issue? So I think, obviously, the update's just been just kind of looking at the clock. There's just been on, and I think the first couple of questions <clears throat> that she was asked uh, were in relation to this, which obviously for some reason annoyed people because, I mean, why would you be asking questions if you're the media about one of the biggest clubs in the country? But, um, yeah, I think she was quite fair. I think she alluded to the fact that it's obviously Rangers' issue to deal with because there's still an investigation ongoing. Um, and I think she kind of made mention that she's probably fed up with speaking about football in this regard, which I can um, can understand, given the fact that they're looking at trying to get schools back shortly and there's probably a million one things that they need to be discussing or concentrating on rather than football so I think from what I've seen she was she was quite fair um, other than obviously I mean you know what it's like on Twitter and stuff like that folk are always going to be annoyed about something and there was the usual oh, I can't believe the BBC this is the first question they're asking kind of stuff so but I think all in all she was quite fair with her comments and um, just kind of left it for, for Rangers to investigate and then go from there you're quite a big fan of uh, the SNP borough, <laughs> aren't you? So, I mean, what's your take on this whole situation? I love them, love them. But, uh, no, I, I don't. I can agree with Fisher. Like, I, I don't think it's something that ideally we want the politicians to be worrying about. Like, I mean, there's always just that worry as well. As I think, to be honest, if they totally had the way they would just do, well, they get fed up with football and just like, pull the rug out from under it, you know, which we, we all really don't want to see. But no, Rangers, I think they set a precedent the last time. They, and it was a strong president, as Fisher says, and fair ass to them. I mean, that's that's what needed done. So I, I think I would expect to see similar this time for the players involved, if it's proven that they have been involved, of course. Uh, and I just not nice to see, but, you know, happens. We'll move on. Um, Celtic, a couple more statements put out today. One, the, the interim financial results, and then a subsequent statement to the supporters from, from Ian Bankier that said a lot but didn't really say anything. Uh, it sounds like Celtic's so-called New Year review is, is still ongoing. There's been no progress there. The club still don't know what to do. Um, Neil Lennon will be staying in charge. Although that, that wasn't even mentioned, it was just kind of assumed that, that Neil Lennon would be would be staying in charge for the, the foreseeable future. And kind of all I've got to say about it, lads. Obviously, anyone listening to this that, that really wants to, to hear more or read more about it can go on to the Celtic website and, and listen to it. I've done loads of videos on it for my, my real job today and I'm just I'm pissed off with the whole the whole situation, but not as pissed off as I was a few months ago. Um, right, moving on. Motherwell humped again. Um, in similar tone to Fisher. I'm surprised that you've shown your face in this podcast after yet another humping by Hamilton Ackies. 4-1. Your manager was sent off as well. He got the two yellow cards, clearly. Um, he did quite a lot wrong on Saturday and he was made some interesting comments after the game as well. He was saying that he got the team wrong. He took a bit of responsibility for it. What's the initial thoughts in Motherwell with regards to, to Graham Alexander and how he started at the club? Well, the initial thoughts are pretty positive, to be honest. I mean, we were spiralling under Robinson. We were really, really poor. And I think when, you know, when that happened and he left, I think a lot of people thought, hmm, is he, like, like people are saying Aberdeen. 
you know, I think people are maybe thinking, oh, they're a wee bit hasty to do that, but we weren't. I mean, it was getting worse every week. And as he said himself, he wasn't getting a response out of the team. Now, I mean, if you look back to last summer, when we brought this squad together, we just finished third in the league. And the additions that people made, people were expecting us to go on and have a, another right good season. You know, like if you actually pick through the players individually, it's a decent squad, loaded squad now, but a, big, but a good squad. Um, so yeah, and Alexander came in, it, it's been kind of back to basics. Football a wee bit, he's, he's made us hard to beat. We're, you know, we're a team that people won't like to play against rather than a team that carry loads of threat, but we have managed to score more goals in the opposition, simply, which is, you know, how you're going to win games. So since he came in, it has been positive. You know, we've had home, beaten United at home, Derek O'Marnock and one had a drop Paisley in his, uh, on his opening game. It has been good. We've solidified, we've pulled ourselves away a wee bit. But I think, I think especially against Derek O'Marnock during the week and with it being as scrappy a game as it was, that's the game that we've been losing 2-0 all season. You know, nothing in it. Both teams are kind of stinking. But then 75 minutes, they'd score and then they scored at the end and we came away with a 2-0 defeat. Whereas we actually went and won it. Like we did to O'Marnock, what's been done to us. And I think, Myself included, I think people maybe started getting a wee bit carried away with us and what we had done, and including the players. I don't know if they maybe started to think they were a bit of a team as well. I'm not sure, but um, Hamilton Ackes and Saturday they just never turned up at all. Hamilton came as they as they always do well in the Anish Derbies. They really really pressed us. That's just the other pressing team, isn't they? Um, so they came and did it, and we, you know, we like to play the ball out for the back under Alexander. I like to, to push the full back. Uh, sorry, push the centre halves out wide and push the full backs up and all that give ourselves kind of short and long options for the back, but they, they were all over us, all over us like a rash. Uh, Bruce Anderson and Rockham Paul up front, stayed high, stayed on the centre-halves. They've not had enough good games together yet to be rock solid, so they look shaky for the start as well. And we just carried the goal threat once the second goal went in. As, as Robinson used to say, it was as if the players then looked for an excuse to be bad after the second goal went in, rather than just kind of rallying and getting back into it. It's really disappointing because Aki's have got the better of us now. You know? I was going to say that. They've got 23 points this season. Aki's in nine of them. I've come against Motherwell. Almost half of their tally. It was their their first win, Aki's, I think in seven or eight games uh, since the 2nd of January when they beat a team 3-0. And there's no prizes for guessing who that team were. It's uh, it's quite a run. They've beaten you three times this season. They've won their last three at Fur Park. What's going on? Well, they, they love these derbies and it's clear they do. And you see it, even on Saturday there, when Hamilton were 3-0 up within half an hour, there, there was a few minutes to go to half-time, there was a player down for treatment, and Brian Rice had the Hamilton players all over, they were in a huddle at the touchline, you know, think it, you would think they were 3-0 down, but it was mm-hmm. anal discussions going on. And we were just, I think Alexander was trying to give them the kind of, I'm not looking at you, sort of treatment, you know, trying to provoke a response, but you look at them, and it, it was the intensity of them, it's like they love these games, you know, and they, they really, really rise to them. I think... Uh, we're no great shakes, but I think maybe traditionally we're expected to go and beat Hamilton, and I think sometimes we go out thinking, oh, we're in a decent run of form, because this Lancashire derby, we will beat them. But as you know yourself, even the likes of the old firm in that, derbies are different. There's just a whole different kind of outlook brought into it. And, but I think Hamilton have always got in as a traditional underdog in the Lancashire derby, and it really suits them. They, they're always so, even although they're not always in great runs of form, they're, they're generally not in the players, nor have they been recently, Rangers aside. Um, they, they just go into it as a gang, and They've got a great underdog mentality and they always rise to the occasion, whereas it's always a game that we're caught a wee bit cold in, I think. We can shift the kind of fear that we've got from Hamilton to, to Ross County, probably. Uh, now, they didn't play at the weekend, but they are now bottom of the league after Hamilton's win, Fisher. Um, when you look around them, 
you're starting to run out of teams that they could finish ahead of. Hamilton's an obvious one, but mm-hmm. Kelly, I kind of feel under Tommy Wright, will get themselves out of that. I mean, I, I don't know. Time will tell. That could be wrong. I, I feel like Motherwell under Alexander in general will do enough. Certainly the two Saints are more than good enough and Dundee United now are 11 points off the bottom. So that's a lot of points to make up in you know nine or 10 games. So are we looking at Hamilton and Ross County now as the two that are going to be occupying those bottom two spots? Um, you would have to imagine so. I mean, I know uh, Casey again in the, the group chat at the weekend was, was pretty um, resigned to Kilmarnock's fate, I think. Um, I think he was, he was placing a lot of blame at Motherwell on Saturday in particular. But yeah, I think, I mean, Ross County and Hamilton are the two sides that have probably over the piece, you know, got the two, you know, the poorest squads. Um, I, I did think at the very start of the season that you know somebody like St Johnston would get dragged in there, but to be fair, they've they've pushed themselves clear a wee bit. And the thing with Ross County as well, obviously Hamilton have got two games in hand against Kilmarnock, who are above them, um, and a couple of games in hand on Motherwell St Johnston. Whereas Ross County have got one game in hand over Kilmarnock, um, and then other than that, you know, there's not really any teams they've got games in hand over that that would make too much of a difference. So, yeah, I think County. I mean, it, they kind of got a little bit of a bounce to begin with when John Hughes came in but I always thought from the start that to try and keep them in the league um, that maybe wasn't the best best appointment um, and so I, I think for me definitely County Hamilton seemed to be doing their regular great escape attempt um, so it'll be interesting to see see if they can pull that off again but yeah I mean I'd, a long answer to your question Hamish but I would agree that County and Hamilton will be the, the, the two there at the end of the season All I'll say is though on you know he's a predicting Hamilton to get down is it's hard not to do do you actually picture next season Celtic Rangers? Do you actually picture them not going there at one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? Because I don't, I don't picture them knowing this league. I'll be honest. Yeah, well, there's two mm. spots, aren't they? They could finish second bottom and, and make it into the playoffs. Who, who are we looking at? Who are we yeah, looking at at the moment in terms of Championship? Dunfermline, and Inverness, that kind of thing. We get a Highland Derby, maybe. If the Championship right. gets finished. Dundee are in there as well somehow, um, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, good enough to to get up to the top flight. Um, See, it's a weird know. thing you saying that, though, because like, I can't, I cannot imagine a top flight, probably because I've never seen it. I can't imagine Kilmarnock going down just because I've never seen Kilmarnock out with the oh, top flight. Man. So, and the same with Motherwell actually. To be fair, to be fair, your team barrel, so. I don't know. Then again, you probably couldn't have seen Rangers going out of the top league, could you? I know, and I saw plenty of that, so we'll move on for there, I think. You're just asking to get more TikToks made of it, yet you? <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, was, what was Alan Burrows saying? What's this carry on, Lewis? I, uh, I saw he was in the back page of a lot of the papers yesterday, kind of pleading for the, the Scottish Cup still to go ahead, which is, I mean, interesting, because he was talking about, obviously, we're getting more places in Europe next year, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll know, but I think the, the winner of this season's Scottish Cup would get a Europa League playoff place. Is that right? Which I mean, is a yeah a massive incentive. Obviously, I mean that's one one win, and you could enter the lottery of the, the Europa League group stages. It's been massive for any team outside Celtic or Rangers. So I mean, sees point absolutely sees point. I would love it to be us. You know, you, you would get aside from the the glory of winning a cup, you'd have a an absolute probably a big glamour tie. And if you were to somehow sneak through it, you're into those group stages. But at the same time, I, I just can't help but feel. There's no feasible way for the Scottish Cup to start this season. I mean, you look at the fixtures that would be next up, you're the third round in it, and you've got like Annan going to Fort Martin and a lot of fixtures like that. And these teams haven't played since mid December. 
aye, aye, December, and they've got no plans for them coming back to their deep matches anytime soon. So I, I think it's unfair. I don't, I don't see how you can then expect these teams to to go and contest the other rounds of cups, and they just can't. Third qualifying round, they would go into the the cup winner. So that'd be two rounds they'd have to win to make the group stage. From the following season, they would go into the playoff round. So. Next season, the league winners will go into the Champions League, Champions route, third qualifying round. Second place will go into the Champions League, league route, second qualifying round. If you're still with me, the third place team will go into the Conference League, second qualifying round. And fourth place will do the same. Although if the Scottish Cup isn't played or if it's won by a team that's already qualified through the league, then it'll go to fifth place, I believe. And and third place will get the Europa League spot. So... um. Yeah, I did a kind of full video on it last week from from Celtic's point of view, but it's just so confusing next year because you've got this new conference league that's going to be mainly for the smaller nations, but there's still going to be some decent sides in there. I think the English League Cup winners go into it and teams for Germany and Spain, I think seventh place in those leagues will go into it as well. So it's going to be interesting anyway. Um, in terms of the Scottish Cup, we had a bit of a debate in the group chat, didn't we? Some people certainly seem to think that it would still be played. Um, some people didn't. I'm of the latter persuasion. I just think they were running out of time a little bit. Um, I think if the Euros is going to be played in its usual way, we, UEFA need Hamden back by start of May, I think. For some reason, they need to do whatever they do at the stadium. So you're kind of running out of time a little bit to, to play all these rounds. Um one idea I did float in the group chat was the the potential similar UEFA type thing that you know UEFA did with the Champions League and the Europa League last year with the the eight teams in the same venue or split over two venues. Can we see something similar with the Scottish Cup? The the last eight into a week long Super Cup, every game played at Hamden back to back. That that idea sounds far too out of the box for um for Scottish football to be honest, mate. So what happened when we, <laughs> I mean, we tried to get two games on at one stadium in one day, and uh, all hell broke loose, mate. So I would, but I did enjoy that. That was like the most I'd probably enjoyed the Champions League and stuff like that um, for quite a while, just because it was. I mean, that was kind of just as we were coming out of the first lockdown, I suppose, as well, which helped. But like the fact that it was just game after game after game, as if it were, if, as if it was like an international tournament type setup. So I would certainly be. Um, open to that but again it's just timing and you know particularly with Rangers and Celtic if players are going away to the Euros and then you're playing with depleted squads and stuff like that you just I don't I, I don't know if the clubs would, would agree to it I think as much as we would like to see it go ahead I think if we're going to get you know going to get the Betfred Cup done hopefully we're going to get a Premiership and Championship done I really feel that I don't know we should maybe just be cutting more losses with that one this year anyway uh, Especially when there's no fans there. I mean, the whole argument right. for playing the, the tournament last year or, or to finish last year's tournament was that they were hoping to get fans in. Obviously, that didn't happen anyway, but you kind of feel like... I, I don't think anyone would be too gutted. It's not as if anyone is going for a treble or anything like that, so there's no one's going to be really gutted about missing out on that final piece, and it's not as if you know teams have come through rounds. Um, yeah. I don't know, if, is there any wee tiny teams that have put out huge clubs? I mean, that might be a bit harsh on them. And teams like, I think Celtic have got Falkirk or Arbroath in the next round. Mm, Rangers well, have got Cove. Well, yeah. So teams like that may be a bit disappointed. But again, there's no... There's no gate. 
They're not going to get the big eight anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose, could you even hold back, just stop the tournament now and play it next season as it is? With the same um, draw. And just play Mm. play the same draw because then no one's really worse off. I suppose there'll be some teams missing out next season uh, completely, but hey-ho, it's interesting. Um, Final thing I just wanted to touch on at the end of the show was an interesting um, thing that I read with regards to Stenhouse Muir. Um, they have uh, established an analysis department at the club. Uh, on their website, they say, Senhouse Muir is pleased to announce the formation of its first analysis department. A key part of the club's football strategy is the establishment of an analysis department for performance and recruitment requirements. It goes on to say the performance analysis team will focus on preparation for the next game by supplying key statistical data, bespoke illustrations and graphics and match footage to the management team and the players. The recruitment team will be charged with the responsibility of support and talent identification, using statistical data and footage for comparison and review to aid the decision-making process with regards to recruitment. It's interesting that a club in the the lower reaches of Scottish football seem to be making moves like this, and it's obviously a, a pretty big deal if Stenhouse Muir have decided to to take to their website to do it. Um, do we think in general in Scotland that we pay enough attention to analysis of of football, um, or or are we streets behind what goes on in in other nations, Lewis? No, I think ah, you need to pay attention to it. It's it's the way the game's going. It's it's very scientific, but and I think. Yeah, I think in our Premiership, I, I would imagine that our teams in the Scottish Premiership are as buy into it every bit as much as a lot of your teams in the top leagues abroad, to be honest. I think it's a huge part of the professional game, but it's also it's good to see that clubs lower in the leagues are, are buying into it as well, but maybe not just quite in the same level. Because it, but it's just good to see, I think, just because we want a, the, the, the country's game to drive forward. So to go that way, you need all the clubs to come with it and you need standards to be raised everywhere. So... Steny are a very, very ambitious club for League 2. I mean, you look at some of the signings this summer, even some of the boys they brought in from other League 2 teams who didn't think they would get, spent a bit of money, just like Sterling Albion, teams like that. Um, I think a few of them have just maybe used COVID to kind of refresh things and start trying to kick on a wee bit. Uh, so, no, to see them do it is, is good. And if it gets better talent into them, makes League 2 of a higher standard, then pushes League 1 to a higher standard championship, just makes the country's game stronger. So, uh, it's definitely the way forward. Any thoughts, Fisher? Well, it's just good to see. I agree with uh, kind of what Bill was saying there. Um, it's something that obviously one club at Rangers has vastly, vastly improved since Stephen Gerrard came in. Like it just didn't exist pretty much until he came in. Um, and and I think from a fan's perspective, yeah, that's been great to see. So the more clubs that, that do it and have the capacity and the ability to do it um, means that the, the standard of the players that they bring in, the players that they develop is going to get better. And obviously if that is widespread across the lower leagues right up to the Premiership, then hopefully that means only the game in general can get better, which would which would be brilliant. And I think that's probably what we're all, what we're all hoping for. Yeah, definitely. Um, Rangers have come on to you know a, m- a much better level with that side of things. Celtic were, were at a better level when Brendan Rodgers came in, but my worry is that these are all external uh, appointments that have come in and, and raised the standards. And um, I mean, I, I don't claim to know a great deal about what goes on at, at you know other Premiership clubs or even further down the food chain, but it does seem um, sometimes like we are a bit behind. Um, England and not just England but we're a bit behind other nations that we should be competing with in the European stage countries like Belgium um, 
I think are, are streets ahead of us with, with this kind of thing. So good move from from Stenhouse Muir. Uh, final thing I've got to mention, just because Matt would probably not be very happy if we didn't, but there's a bit of a fiery reaction towards the Aberdeen chairman, Dave Cormack, uh, after a Q&A that had been planned um, was cancelled. Now, I say cancelled. Dave Cormack did tweet out saying that the live Q&A has been postponed and not cancelled. The risk of Q&A content being taken out of context, resulting in distracting media headlines, is something we'd all want to avoid on the day of the Celtic game. Sincere apologies for the late notice. We will reschedule the live Q&A event shortly. So it seems like not all is well at Aberdeen. They drop points at the weekend to St Mirren as well. Big questions for me over Derek McInnes. We touched on that in the last uh, podcast, but I'm sure that's one that's going to keep ticking along. It's been good to have you on, lads. I appreciate your time. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to this podcast or watching this podcast. Thanks if you sent us in any questions on Twitter. We are at Burst Ball Podcast. Give us a follow there, and we'll speak to you very soon.